This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the NQ1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. A lot to go over this week. Uh, of course, two games that we've had this week uh, in one in the league, one in the cup, both at home. And yes, yeah, that we'll talk about later on. But okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think before we get into the football, we'll just chat about what's happening off the field quickly. Um, you know, we didn't put anything out regarding a statement. Um, yeah, we, we were fully, put our full trust in Dons' action and DSA to sort it out. They have done. They've got fans for them going. Obviously, Pete's into build some stuff. I don't think the Red Bull stuff was new information from what I've heard, but some, some people it was. Um, and yeah, it was an interesting interview. Obviously, got a lot of notes from that. And um, yes, yeah, but overall, it's good to see that, you know, Club is trying to sort things out. And I think the experience will be a lot better for all of us home fans moving forward. Okay, let's dive into Sheffield Wednesday at home. Obviously, first home league game of the season. Um, you know, of all these games, there's always a lot of expectation from the fans in terms of the majority. And this is the first time they've seen this Don side this year. So, you know, they're expecting or hoping to see a pretty good performance. Um, I think for those of us that watched the Cambridge game, uh, that performance on Saturday was actually not too bad. Uh, you know, we lost the game 1-0 um, to a penalty that wasn't a penalty, um, despite how bad the challenge was, really. Um yeah, we played a right. I thought, you know, first half took us a good 10, 15 minutes to settle into the game. But once we did that, we held our own. Obviously, the penalty happened and I think it kind of knocked our spirits a little bit. But, you know, we continued creating chances and probably should have, we definitely should have scored. And, of course, it was uh, David Stockdale once again ruining our chances of getting something from games with some pretty good goalkeeping overall and showing why he is such a desired keeper in this level of football because he's a really good shot stopper, probably one of the best in the league, actually. So... Yeah, we lost the home opener, Joe, but I thought overall, you know, it was really positive signs. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was one of them where I know it's, I know, you know, the game counts for the same amount of points as it will do in April, but it's one of them where you kind of just say, look, it's, we're going in the right direction. So you don't almost mind it too much. Well, that's me personally, anyway. Um, I think they, they had a pretty decent start. 
Um, but we grew into it. And then just as we're really starting to get into our flow, um, you then get um, you then get a penalty that, as you say, wasn't a penalty. It, it was a foul, but I think the argument was that it was just outside the box rather than inside the box. Um, and then from then on, you know, we created chances. We created openings. We were a lot, lot better with the ball as predicted. And um, yeah, that was just really good to see how they'd obviously worked on stuff during the week. And the second half, you know, of course, Sheffield Wednesday had the odd breakaway and they, you know, Sheffield Wednesday had more shots than us. But a lot of the game, you know, we were piling men forward. So on the counter-attack, there was space. Um, but there was nothing really to trouble Jamie coming too much. Um, I think we may have shaded the XG. Oh, no, they, I think they beat us on the XG. But if you take away their penalty, I don't think there was too much to separate the two sides. So, in ter- we, you know, in terms of open play, we didn't really give up too many chances. We put a lot of blocks in. Um, and this is another thing to take from the last two games. You know, we've actually been really solid at the back. We've been, you know, the Cambridge one, it was just, oh, you know, just a complete mix-up. And But other than that, we were absolutely solid. And then the Sheffield Wednesday game, well, it's a penalty that wasn't a penalty. And they, it's not as if they carved through us or anything. It was just one bit of um, one good run from Josh Windass. So, to me, that that's one pleasing thing. And I'm sure we're going to come on to a certain member of that back line and talk about him a bit more um, in a minute. Um, but it's just for me, it's just the attacking cohesion. I think, you know, the, uh, Liam Manning spoke about wanting the players to be braver. And I think we saw that because at the start of the game, you know, Louis Barry and Nathan Holland, you know, they would maybe just passing the ball back and rather than, and then, and then we started seeing Louis Barry start knocking it past his man and just, he was absolutely sprinting past him and really getting into some dangerous areas. And when we actually started taking men on and thinking, oh, hang on a minute, these aren't invincible. You know, we really started to, Piled pressure on, in all honesty, um, especially during sort of the middle and second half. I think towards the end we could have maybe gone for it a bit more, but um, um, it's obviously it's not great, but it's getting better. And you know, it led on to Tuesday's victory, which um, you know, again was very pleasing to see. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not comparing us, but I this next point to um, our test for Arsenal and any comparison or anything like that. But when you watch the or nothing series of Arsenal, and if you haven't watched it yet, please check it out. It's fantastic. Um, you know, there's a lot of comparisons here, I think, to that series in terms of how Arteta, it was at the start of that season, was really trying to build from the back in some senses and get that back line sorted. You know, he spent X amount of money on Ben White. Um, and ultimately, he was playing pretty poorly at the start, but you build him up and you build up um, cohesion together and look where they are now, you know, playing pretty good football next season. Um, obviously, I hope the, that period for us is a bit sooner. But, you know, that's that's where we can get to. And, yeah, I think overall defensively, it has been pretty solid. And we'll get on to, as uh, Joe said, one of that, one member of that back line later on. But, Ross, I know you weren't at the game on Saturday. But, obviously, you know, from your from your thoughts on the previous episode, you expected it to be quite a tight one. And, obviously, Wednesday, a very good team. How much did you catch of the game in general as a whole? Yeah, from, from obviously, um, what I, I was told and the general consensus of the game, um, we needed a reaction. It seems like we got one. Um, it was an improvement, obviously, on Cambridge. Um, and then just looking back on this penalty, because people obviously criticising the ref, I can see where he's coming from in full speed of of the game. Yeah, we're talking about yards. It's, it's we, we've got replays and we've got this and that. He's got he's got to call it there and then. I can see why he's giving it. Um, but if he's not too sure, what why is he giving it? Why is he giving a pen? Um, that's another thing. Um, 
But yeah, I can understand why the, the foul was given, but obviously it's not a penalty in my eyes. Um, but just looking at the stats, you can, you can tell we were definitely in the game. And um, it's just hoping that obviously we, we, we've talked about this raw talent we've got up top. Um, it's about turning unlocking that potential and turning it into actual ability. And uh, let's hope they can just carry on improving each week as it goes on. And um, I think yesterday, obviously, the cup game showed that. Yeah, and I think that, that penalty in particular, the referee was not sure. He was deliberating that for a good five, six seconds before he actually pointed so, to yeah, the Yeah, he took his time. Yeah, so, you know, it, it was a purely just well, maybe, maybe a guess, but it was just a gut call of what he thought was right. You know, he was wrong, but it was as as Ross on replays. It's so close anyway. I um, mean, it's just, and we'll get that decision back later on the season. I'm sure. Um, yeah. It just is what it is, unfortunately, and we have got to move on. Um, we mentioned about the back line. I mentioned about how solid this looks so far. I think a player that we criticised a little bit from the first game was Jack Tucker. I thought he came back in this game and was the man of the match from the Don's perspective anyway by a country mile. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I'm sure Joe will read off stats anyway, um, so I let him do that. But you know, Ross. I mean, I don't know how much you saw Jack in that game, but he he was very very good. Yeah, it, as, as I say, I just read from comments from fans. It's, it seems like him was are really um, starting to blend well together and uh, start starting to form a um, good partnership at the back. So we know how uh, big Harry Darling was last year, and um, I know we talked about him. The goals, but it wasn't just the goals; it was defensively as well. Harry Darling was getting his head on everything, and it seems like Jack, Jack Tucker—I wouldn't say matching it because they're two different um, players in my eyes—but obviously Tucker's trying to be a bit more braver with the ball, and he has a bit more trust in was um, it seems, and um, I'm sure that will come on leaps and bounds in the next couple of games. Just go on, Joe. I'm sure you've got the Tucker stats on hand. Will you read them off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so seven clearances, four block shots. You know, I think uh, when you're playing for a team like Gillingham, you probably get quite a bit of practice blocking shots. Um, he won all five of his duels, four of them being aerial duels, which is quite an achievement considering he's up against uh, the human battering ram in Callum Patterson. Um, and he, he completed 10 out of his 14 long balls. And we mentioned last week about how the long balls from defence were one of the probably the weakest parts of our game. Um, so it's good to see that, you know, maybe we, we're being a bit more smart with them rather than just uh, punting it uh, just as and when. And I think, um, yeah, Ross mentioned how they're different players. And I initially I thought, you know what, I thought Tucker, I think he's with, with Darling. I always said this. He was, he's one of the best defenders in the league, but he wasn't one of the best players at defending, if that makes sense, in terms of actually defending the box. And I think Jack Tucker is better in terms of a pure defender. I don't think, in terms of playing out from the back, I don't think he's as complete as Harry Darling. And so maybe we were being a bit harsh on him just because of how high the bar had been set. Um, but I think he's more than capable on the ball. And he, I think it's the confidence. You can just see game by game, he's going a bit more, you know, playing that part, risky pass into midfield a little bit more. And we're just starting to see that. But in terms of defence actually defending. I think he's very, very solid, you know, and we've seen Darling, he's had a couple of, um, you know, a couple of shaky moments so far at Swansea, but then again, he's also had a couple of amazing moments going forward. 
So I think, he, yeah, he is a different type of player to Darling. Potentially more defensively solid, and you know, I don't think we'll get ten goals this season from Tucker, but but that's okay because you know we, we it's all about spreading it around the team, isn't it? So um, yeah, really pleasing to see from Tucker that he can kind of put that little mistake at Cambridge behind him, and um, he's really grown in the last two games. Just and also, just something Manning said was um, for the Sutton lineup, he started coming O'Hara and um, and Tucker because he said, you know, this is one of these relationships that you just want to build and you just want to keep the momentum going with them. So, you know, I think we saw second half of the season how much better our defence was um, once, you know, once you had actually had, you know, the three of them, um, Lewinton, O'Hora and Darling, they've been playing together for a year by that point. They knew each other's games inside out and I think that really does help. So, um, yeah, on the defensive side of things, really positive, I think. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the Twine approach in terms of goals, but you say the same for Darling between Moz and Tucker. You know, I think obviously I just mentioned Tucker defensively is, you know, so far what we've seen, he's, I think he's better than Darling, but you're also seeing Woz trying to get a bit more progressive with the football like we saw a bit last season and running forwards and trying to free up those attacking midfielders and um, strikers. So a lot against Sutton actually when there was a lot more control of the football than there potentially was against some other teams who played this season. So, yeah, they're trying to spread the load about in terms of what Darling offered also. So it's very much a team effort in terms of, you know, those two key figures leaving the team and what can the lads there do now and not necessarily as to replacing players like for like. It's, I think with those two players, as highly talented as they are, it's, it's quite difficult to do that. But I'm sure the uh, recruitment team is in their best. Uh, obviously, a player who um, a lot of people are calling out for actually start this game was, the Wednesday game anyway, was Ethan Robson. Um, purely for his battle on the pitch and how he's just pretty much a feisty player who loves to get stuck into a challenge. Of course, he played. Um, in terms of how he performed, Ross, I mean, I think in terms of his stats, he had two key passes and I think he touched the ball for a bit of decent passing accuracy. But for you, is from what you heard, how did how did he perform? Um I'm not gonna lie to you. There wasn't obviously a lot. Um, obviously, I didn't I didn't watch the game live, so I I only can go from what people have said. There wasn't a lot of discussion about him, so I assume, um, Joe might be obviously be able to answer this, but I I assume that it was a solid all round performance. But I could be wrong. I think yeah, I think solid is probably the word I'd use. I think you could tell he's it's his first full game back in you know because he didn't really play at all at Blackpool, um. And so, you know, sometimes I think his touch was a little heavy, but then he was one of the players where, you know, he would be making that run into the box, where last week, if you think, you know, Smith and Johnson, they were very much sort of camped, almost like quarterbacks, both of them at Cambridge. Whereas this week, I think we saw, you know, for me, the man of the match by far was probably Matt Smith. Um, But we saw with Robson as well, both of them would, you know, they'd they'd be getting the ball deep, playing a pass, but then they'd be making a run to try and get on the end of it. And so, yeah, I think with Robson, some really good sharp signs, definitely good intent in what he was doing. It didn't always come off, but I really just liked his ideas. Um, and he was just, yeah, solid, seven out of 10, good performance. And I think with, with more match matches, he'll just become sharper more than anything. So, you know, you, there won't be those little miscontrols or the, over, you know, the little overhit pass and stuff. So, yeah, really good to see him back. And, well, I mean, to be honest, there could be four players that start in centre mid on um, on Saturday. So uh, I've still haven't actually decided my lineup for when we do the Ipswich predictions. So it's certainly he's given me an issue. So I'd hate to to hear how uh, Manning's feeling about the whole situation. 
Yeah, as we always say, it's good to have competition. And um, yeah, so we, we saw we saw what even Robson did for us last season when he was here. Um, so we know exactly what he can do. So yeah, let's hope he gets the minutes. And um, yeah, of course, Fair Tuesday also has to get the minutes. So yeah, it's good to see him on the pitch. Um, Jay mentioned Matt Smith, you know, your man of the match um, from previous games. Um, he played a bit more advanced than what we've seen him previously, of course, with with Johnson and Robson sitting in the two uh, midfield slots, uh, but the deep midfield, I should say, sorry. Um, how do you think he played, Joe? I thought he was, yeah, as I say, the best player on the pitch. I think he was full of intent. And in the second half, it was very much, he was, you know, we saw it a lot under Russ, actually, when we were playing the box formation. You know, you have the midfielders go out wide and they're making overlaps with the, the wing backs and the wingers. And so you've always got a triangle of, I think it's Oyegoke, um, uh, Smith and who's on the right was it uh, Barry it was Barry yeah, yeah. Barry, yeah. you know so, so them three you know they were getting in behind quite a few times and you know it was it wasn't always coming off like Matt Smith's pass accuracy wasn't as high as Robson's and his um, and his touches he had less touches but his I felt his impact was he was really stretching that Wednesday defence and I think that that was what we needed it was always it's, it's that intent and that was you know, definitely what we lacked at Cambridge because we, I think, you know, we controlled the ball at Cambridge, but we let's face it, we did naffle really with it. Whereas this game, it really looked like he was, he was, he wasn't afraid to lose the ball. He was just trying things out. He put five crosses into the box, two of them uh, hit an MK player, so that's you know good, forty percent. And um, yeah, so I just think his intent, and it, it, let's face it, he's he's probably the most hungry player in this team right now. He's the player that's got the most to impress in terms of Rob Page, at, uh, the Wales manager. And he's, you know, for me, he's, other than the defence, I'd say he is like the, the man that you can't drop in the midfield at the moment. He is, it's him and someone else in midfield. And, you know, he can play number 10 as well. He can play right back. So really versatile. And he, for me, he's definitely cemented his side, his space in the side for at least the next few weeks. Yeah, I think I mentioned the uh, Rob Page bit quite a lot over the next couple of months. But yeah, you're completely right. He's got he's got a place in that squad to earn. So you know, if he keeps playing like he is, I'm sure he'll be catching the attention of the Wales coaches and the Wales uh, squad in general. Um, unfortunately, a couple of positives. Uh, we did pick up a couple of injuries, uh, more, a couple more injuries in this game uh, in Will Grigg and Nathan Holland. Um, how much on Holland's injury uh, in particular? Um, Will Griggs sounds like it's precautionary for the most part, and he's it's not too serious. Um, but you know, regardless, Ross, it leaves us with one striker in Matt Dennis, who, to be fair, to him, has looked pretty good in the past couple games. I've seen him, but you know, it kind of screams at me never striker in the door, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I was obviously we were obviously discussing this yesterday um, throughout the game in the sense of like. Um, when I think Dennis went down, it was either cramp or um, he was injured. I, I was hoping it was cramp. Anyway, um, we're discussing about the numbers up top and we we obviously discussed about how you got to be patient with the signings through the door, um, especially on the striker front. But in the same breath, we can't be re- relying on Dennis for weeks beyond end if, if Greg isn't, have, well, has them niggles with these injuries. Um but also, if it's not Dennis who's going to be scoring the goals, he needs obviously help behind him. And this is where the three, I this is where personally where I believe Burns, um, Smith, and all those have 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 to contribute at the end of the day. Um, we talk about obviously spreading the goals out, and 
if the these injuries we've had what four or five now I think in total this this season already which is a bit scary but um obviously we've got we've got the depth in this squad for a reason and let's just hope um we keep away from the injury table for for all players really and um kick on yeah, it's um, you know, Liam Manning came out and said, you know, that they're not throwing in a recruit striker to find the right person. I think that's a perfectly reasonable answer to give. Um, but yeah, you know, as you said, Ross, I think this is this could be a bit of a warning sign to get someone in. I mean, Joe, I don't know what your thoughts are on a strike situation, but I think everyone's unanimous in the fact that we could do with getting another one in, really. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that um obviously Mo is gonna be still weeks if not a couple of months away, you know, so I'm pretty sure that, you know, we've got, excuse me, we've got one loan spot left. So I'm sure, excuse me, you know, someone like Troy Parrott, he didn't come in until I think a week or two before the season. Um, And and I think, you know, we've just got to wait it out. I'm sure there's, the guys are going to be well aware of the situation. I wouldn't, I don't personally think we'll have any more permanent signings. Um, but I do think that there's going to be an attacker coming in on loan. It just makes sense, right? You've got one loan spot, and that is the obvious weak point. And um, but let's face it, you know, Dennis has been good. Yeah. Um, Dennis has been lively. Um, I'm sure we'll get again. We'll maybe speak more about him in terms of the Sutton game. But you know, Dennis is a good option. But we don't want him to be the only option. I think at this moment in time. Yeah, it is, it is precisely that. You know, he's he's played well so far. Um, and, you know, you can think you can tell he, he needs minutes in his legs. And ultimately, he did probably didn't get... He's coming from a, a professional setup, a non-league setup in South End. So he's going to need time. We all knew that he's going to need time. And, um, but yeah, in what he has shown so far, he has been decent. And um, yeah, I think, in, I think he suits a team who controls the ball a lot. And I think we've seen that for the majority of our games if we do do that. So yeah, positive signs so far. Um, we might have to move on to Sutton if we're getting on to that game. Um, you know, a cup win, a goal, which is nice to see from Conor Grant. A lovely little finish. Um, Dawson with a fantastic three balls for him, um, who I'm sure we'll talk a lot about today. Um, but yeah, overall, we really controlled the game. You know, we all respect the Sutton. You can tell they're a lead two team. Um, they just didn't really lack, it's lacked anything, to be honest. Um, and I think Don's, even, even though it was a, a fairly changed Don's team, they had, they had full control over the game and, you know, should have been more than one goal, really. But, you know, they got the win, the through to the next round. And we'll see later on tonight who they get in the draw. Um, as a team performance, Ross, obviously you were at this game. How did you find it? Yeah, it was... It was... At times it was convincing, but obviously um, I did feel sometimes we were just a bit stale um, in the final third. I don't know whether that's just down to, obviously, um, the new lads. But I do, I do feel like, especially in a certain game, it was... Um, all about the Ireland lads or the Irish lads um, in Grant, Devoy uh, and Burns. I felt, that especially these three, um, when Kemp moved over to the left-hand side um, with Jules and then Burns swapped over, I do feel like um, things were working very well once we made that change. Um, for one reason or another, obviously Kemp just, just didn't work out on the right. Um, but just talking about um, Dennis, I do feel like he was a real nuisance and sometimes just being a nuisance for these uh, defenders. Um, we saw how many times their defenders didn't look comfortable at all. Um, just being there, um, just 
he's a good sign and um, his work rate's there. Um, but obviously, the, I think the main man was obviously I put Conor Grant as man of the match, but I probably I probably have to reconsider that um, <laughs> and do put pick, pick Devoy. Um, just look at the numbers. Yeah, you tweeted it earlier. Obviously, on the podcast account as a joke, um, especially for a lad who who isn't ready. Um, well, they wanted to put him out on loan, which is I think is ridiculous. Um, I think what 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 have we got to lose for him to? Uh, have a few minutes on Saturday and potentially start against Port Vale. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's a great, great all-round performance from a very young side and um, let's hope we can carry it on to Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned young side. I mean, the average age of that certain team was 28 years old and Don's was pretty much just under 20, just 22 years old, the average age. So, mm. Jeremy, take that consideration. I thought they put in a pretty, pretty mature performance, really, considering how young they all are. Oh, yeah, it was... Um... I think the oldest player on the pitch for us was um, Ethan Robson. So, you know, and he's, what, 25 or something? So, yeah, very good. Um, but, yeah, we've got Devoy, Dawson, Devoy. He's, <laughs> um, yeah, what a performance. It was, you know, four key passes. I, mean, I know you've gone through these on the on the account, Liam, but four key passes, 84% pass completion. Um, he's completed a cross. He had a shot on target. He got that assist. That assist was ridiculous. He, you know, shaped to shoot and then just passes it. A perfect weighted part, weight, the weight of the pass as well, you know. And then Grant just took it in his stride, a great shimmy and smashed it past the keeper. Um, you know, he made three tackles as well. So even though, you know, he's not the biggest lad, Dawson Devoy, but he was, he um, made himself known. Um, yeah, other notables from the night, Dara Burns really, he, he had um, he had quite a few shots as well, actually. He's getting into some really good areas. Um, and and he was he was winning his duels as well, uh, uh, both both Devoy and Burns. So you know, it, I think that shows that you know men's football they they've played men's football and it's really gonna it's really benefited them. Uh, Darren Burns was fouled four times as well, so you know he was really causing a nuisance. He was really being a nuisance and and causing a bit of panic in the defence. And um, yeah, we, we mentioned Dennis. Um, you know, Dennis himself he had a shot um, on target, shot off target. <clears throat> as well as two shots being blocked. Um, and he also had two key passes, and that's from someone that only touched the ball 18 times. So, you know, his influence on the game, you know, it, it never felt like he wasn't in the game at all. He was always, you know, making them runs or chasing the ball down. So, yeah, really solid performance. And um, I think it was a bit harsh, Ross said it was a bit stale, because, you know, we had 17 shots, 17, seven of them were on target. We created a good amount of XG, and we limited them to, like, less than... 0.5 xG, I think. So, I actually think it was just a really well controlled performance. And you know, let's say I really do think we should have had two or three goals. And if if that was the case, then I think you know we all go away saying you know, I think that's what we deserved out of the game personally. So, yeah, a, a good night at the office. Um, maybe still some of them concerns just in terms of finishing off the chances. Um, but yeah, more more progression each game. I think we've just got better and better. So nice to see. Yeah, it's interesting with Dennis because he is a nuisance. And you see, as you mentioned, you know, it's limited touches of the ball. He can do things and can create things. That, and highlights are highlights. When you saw his South End uh, film, he's very much like an in the box kind of nippy player who was at the right place at the right time and can finish. So it's interesting to see how maybe he's played in difficult teams so far, but. 
he's having to really create chances himself as opposed to the players behind him create it for him. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that moving forward. But yeah, it was a bit of the voice show, wasn't it, really, in terms of, I think, pre-game, during game and post-game. I think everyone kind of had high expectations for him and he pretty much delivered, as everyone's kind of mentioned, you know, fantastic performance and was very unlucky not to get him out of the match from the sponsors. A man who did, in Conor Grant, I thought was fantastic also. Um, we mentioned on previous episodes about just getting the ball into, into his feet rather than long balls for feeding off them. And surprise, surprise, when that actually happens, he plays well in the 10. Um, I think it was him and Devoy were kind of pivoting around that role and sometimes even being both 10s. But I thought, you know, Conor, of course, got the goal. Um, of course, first goal of the season for the club. So happy days to him, well done to him. But Ross, and he mentioned he was your man of the match. Uh, why was that? It was just showing moments of brilliance. I know, obviously, the voice showed show them, but at times where um, he was in tight spaces and uh, he just he put the ball, ball on the other foot and turned his man inside out and he made it look so easy. And doing stuff like that, it's opened up the game and allowing other players to make runs. And especially when you've got, obviously, Burns and Kempe on either side, um, it allows them to do their own thing as well. So, yeah, he, he's just showing moments of brilliance and... Um, as you say, he took his goal well. And um, I think with, obviously, uh, Grant, I think he'll get better as the season goes on. Uh, obviously, he's, he's, he's a young player. He's going to have highs and lows. And it's just a matter of managing that and um, just making sure where Manning uh, shows and where he can improve each game. And I'm sure uh, he'll prosper in the system. Yeah, most definitely. And... Um... I think a player who he could play, place in that same sort of ilk is uh, Dara Burns, as you both have mentioned. I felt that, that you know, we've seen a lot of him in pre-season. I think that was the most lively I've seen him so far in terms of a game. I felt like he was a lot more free-willing to just, just drive at players and shoot. And to be fair, I mean, Sutton gave him the licence to do that with how defensive they were and how, um, I think, how, how Dara actually just suited playing against that type of team in general. But I felt overall he was just just giving the license to do what he likes. And um, yeah, hey, I mean, it was a different game. One of those goes in, it's a wonder goal. So, but no, it's good, it's good to see the younger lads just you know, have a have a good little run out and, uh, you know, get to the next round of the cup and hopefully get a, a get a decent team in the next round. Uh, any wishes from you boys in terms of who you want? I mean, I'd happily take like a Watford potentially if that was an option. Prem away. Prem away, yeah. Yeah, London. Be nice Absolutely. for London, yeah. I've never been to Palace. I think the only ones I haven't been to are Palace... Um, oh God, who was it? Brentford, the new Brentford Stadium, and there was another one I can't remember. Norwich, I haven't been to Norwich, so one of them. Norwich going to be Charlton away again on the Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, please not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we'll uh, we'll know by the time this comes out. So hopefully, uh, it's it's a good draw, and it's not a typical Don's uh, Tuesday night away in some god awful place. Um, but yeah, we'll soon see. We'll soon see. We'll see you all in the East Stand next week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that, that rounds off quite nicely what's happened this week in terms of games and lots of off-the-field stuff. Um, we'll look forward now to Saturday on another road game, this time against Ipswich, and uh, an opposition overview for you guys, so look forward to that. Hello, and welcome back to the latest opposition overview, where we look at MK Don's latest opponents. Uh, today, we've got a person who um, I met a little while ago in a lovely sports run in Victoria in December, I believe it was. Um, and he happens to be an EFL connoisseur, but also an Ipswich Town fan. So, uh, Ben, how are you doing? 
and definitely a connoisseur of American sports bars wow. early in the morning as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, so yeah, as, as I mentioned um, in your introduction, of course, you are no such town fan, but before we get into that, you're very much um, a person who creates con- creates content about all all EFL leagues, particularly the championship. Obviously, you're off to the West Brom Watford game tonight. How did you? How long have you been doing it? First of all, how did you get into it? Oh, crikey. Well, so I started by doing the Blue Monday podcast, which um, I would highly recommend. There'll be the um, Ipswich MK preview on that later in the week where you kind of get the reverse of this show, see if we're saying the same things about each other's teams, basically. Um, And then, of course, Ipswich in their infinite wisdom decided to get themselves relegated from the championship in 2019 as we were building up a bit of a following on YouTube doing some match reviews. So I just decided to stick with the championship, really. And... um, then there was a big pandemic and that was all anyone could do. And so all, all we've been all we've been doing since really, but no, get to as many games as possible. And um yeah, um, cross championship and obviously league one now on the on the Blue Monday podcast as well. Yeah, exactly. And obviously through Blue Monday is where um I suppose a lot of it's trans fans listen to your opinions on on the team, and I'm sure a lot of NK Don's fans also listen to that podcast this week going out. Um, obviously, you know, since Kieran McCann has taken over, it's fair to say that Ipswich have been on a pretty good path. But how has this season started on the face of things? You know, four points, a pretty good win against Forest Green. How's it been going? Um, good. Yeah. So as an Ipswich fan, you're all you're almost trying to figure out the way you can take a advantageous position and, and mess it up, really, because that's kind of been the case for the last 15 years or so. <laughs> And as you alluded to, um, since Kieran McKenna arrived, the point scoring has been really good. But sort of the likes of Ipswich and Bolton at the end of last season were scoring loads of points. But then, um, you know, yourselves, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, um, in any normal season, I think someone would have caught up with the top six. But because of the the league kind of just split in half and, you know, to see Plymouth obviously played MK on the last day, didn't they? To see Plymouth miss out on 80 points. It was just a ludicrously high, high tide last season. So there was, there was this sense that McKenna had done well. I mean, obviously this is the, all with the sense of underachievement of the money sort of spent by Ipswich and the, you know, to to use a horrible term that MK fans will hate, but the the size of the club relative to League One, just this big sense of underachievement. And um, I mean, if if your glass is half full, you'll say, well, okay, maybe it would have been too soon to get into the playoffs last season, just on the back of a quick run under McKenna and you know build and try and do it properly this season. But so expectations, obviously, very very high as they. <laughs> always are at Ipswich. I don't want to come across as an arrogant Ipswich fan, but uh, Ipswich has spent most of their history above third tier level. Uh, so I don't think it's an unreasonable position to expect them to at least be challenging to get out of third tier level. And they've just not been good enough to do that over the last three seasons. So as you said, two games gone, bit of an anti-climax draw in the opener against Bolton, but then Bolton go and beat Wickham 3-0 at the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of... Yeah, you're kind of saying, okay, was that a better result than we thought? And look, you know as well as I, Liam, you're showing up to Forest Green. You've never played them before. First game at that level, you you think oh, they they could they could win this, couldn't they? So that <laughs> even though Forest Green, we know were a league down and essentially have lost their manager 
their their two wing backs and a very good central midfielder as well. They they won their opening game and um that was a banana skin that maybe um previous Ipswich Town teams would have fallen over. So really pleased with four points from the first two, but obviously given where you guys finished last season, okay, we'll talk about your first two games, but given where you guys finished last season, hard game um coming up. Yeah, and you know, I think when we were previewing it, the, the season as a whole and Ipswich um and a few other teams, we kind of put them into tears and I think Wednesday and Ipswich, um, funny enough, two teams with just by just playing and about to play, we got had them as a separate tier compared to everyone else in the league. Um, then we put ourselves in the next tier with the likes of Peterborough, Derby, um, etc. etc. So, you know, I think as you mentioned, we lost our first two games. I thought um our performance to Wednesday was miles better than against Cambridge. And you know, the listeners would have heard that previous season just going out, but um Obviously, I think one of the reasons we put Ipswich in that high tier compared to the rest of the league, and obviously Wednesday with some of the signings you've made. You know, you've, I said with, with a club of your size, you spent a lot of money this summer. Um, so obviously, you've only seen a limited amount of those new signings. Um, but how have you found some of them have performed so far? Yeah, um, it's a bit of a contrast, I'll say, to last season because there have been good signings made this summer, but obviously we had the um, takeover with the American money last sort of the back end of the previous not last season but the season before and then Paul Cook and the CEO Mark Ashton seemed to just sign an entire new squad so there's been less in terms of incomings um, this summer and when you look through the team um, I mean Lee Evans we missed for a lot of last the back half of last season he's back in in central midfield with uh, Sammy Morsey. Leaf Davis is obviously the ones that that makes League One fans cringe a bit because <laughs> we think we've spent over a million quid on a left back, um, which is obviously a, a vast amount of money to be spent on a full back in, in League One. But look, he's a young player who hopefully has got good resale value if if all goes to plan. You know, he could be a championship player in the next couple of years by whatever process. And I guess the one that's going to be standing out from the weekend is um, Marcus Harness because he scored, obviously, at Forest Green. And that was a little bit of a sense of that, you know, Pompey were, I mean, I don't know where you had them in Pompey. Most people got them in the middle, but they're another big club in terms of yeah. third, you know, won the FA Cup in the last 15 years, haven't they? And to take one of their better players uh, from them was... Um, was was quite um sort of gratifying i'm sure um joe pickett going the other way will come back to bite us on the, on the backside when we play them and then um the one we're not too sure about liam is freddie ladapo up top because he scored goals um for rotherham but leaving there in the you know the circumstances that he did where there was a, seemed to be a bit of a impasse between himself and paul warren who i don't know if you've met him he's like one of the most likable guys who it seems like impossible to fall out with and <laughs> Ladapo seemed to manage it. So it's been a bit more of a considered just a few players in and um the the narrative was around around Ipswich. Um I mean if you take MK and Parrot and Twine and Isa and put even one of those players in Ipswich last season, you know, someone who could score a goal, finish off chances, that was the thing controlling games. I'm sure you've you've had this under Russ Martin and Liam Manning over and again controlling games. 
got to stick the ball in the net if you've got yes. lots of yeah. lots of possession and you, you're making chances. So that had been the issue. So what I'd say about the recruitment is it does seem a bit more focused, but obviously there was far less to do um, than there was last summer. And I suppose all that recruitment, where regards where it is on the pitch, you know, I think one of the things that you mentioned that that's uh, sort of the signings that we made in ISA, uh, of course, getting power in alone from Spurs, it gave us that cutting edge that we needed to almost get through games like Rotherham away, for example. Do you think that McKenna's side so far has shown that sign of a cutting edge as opposed to last year? Not yet, no. Okay. And that that's the question, because if they do, and, you know, this will sound very brash, if they do, that's the only thing that's missing. You know, you look at look at the numbers and they're not, you know, all these underlying things that often project one thing or other going forward. They're not conceding many chances. They're having, having a lot of the ball in the game. I know that when you're going to come up against the Liam Manning side, that's not, you know, not necessarily easy, easy as it is maybe against a, a Forest Green, for example. But um, that's that's the one thing that's that's missing. And Kieran McKenna always uses the word control. It's always on about how you control. And obviously there's a million ways you can, you can control a game like Wickham do by hemming, as you guys in that first part of that yeah, playoff yeah. semi, they hem you in for 15 minutes and score two goals. But you can also control the game in the same way as a Liam Manning or a Kieran McKenna would try and do in terms of just keeping that ball moving, tiring the opponent out, building up possession. And, you know, it might not be until 60 minutes that you might make that breakthrough. But that seems to be the idea. So, no, we've not yet seen under McKenna a game where you're like, that was a really tight game. And, for example, Scott Twine puts a a 0.2 XG shot smashes it in the corner and you, you go and take the, the three points. And um, yes, we would love to see, um, uh, especially when you talk about a Sheffield Wednesday or someone who we think we're going to accumulate a lot of points this season that you're going to need to you know win those games, aren't you? Yeah. And that's the thing, like Sheffield Wednesday, for example, on Saturday, didn't look too impressive, but they won the game. Whether it's referee, poor refereeing decision or you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. They got the three points. So, you know, if you guys take that approach at into the season, you know, it's gonna set you guys up for a pretty good uh pretty good start and hopefully end. Well, and that you know, that that's the hope that that everyone's got that you can um it's it's weird, isn't it, having these you know, because MK is the same. You've got this sort of highly rated young manager, but sometimes Sometimes the hype comes before the substance and I hope it works out for Manning and I hope it works out for McKenna and they have great careers. But I think sometimes because they're so young and because of the, you know, how they look on the touchline and their demeanor, they're so different than a Warnock or a McCarthy or a, um, God, who's the guy you guys had from Exeter? Tisdale. You oh know, God, don't mind us with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's such a different look that sometimes I think um, the hype comes first and, it's, it's what this manager could be rather than what they are. And to a certain extent, Russell Martin's, yeah. you know, the same. You, you you see him and he's very young and, you know, talks great, looks great. And then wh- where are his teams finishing in the table? Do, do, you know, do you know what I mean? You're like, yeah. we need yeah. to see it, need to see it borne out. And I mean, obviously, you know, third place for you guys. It was third last year, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, third place for you guys is, that's the sort of thing that Kieran McKenna has got to, produce a, a winning team across the season that can get into that presumably in league one mid mid 80 points it'll be again you'd think 
Yeah, I think our um, I think our fans lapped up that Blackburn Rovers TikTok. I don't know if you've seen it of uh, Russell Martin's speech. <laughs> yeah, and, uh... I... <laughs> those things, yeah. Liam. Those things always come and bite you back on the on the wow. backside in in the away game. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I'm interested wow. to. So, um, did, did, were your fans kind of nodded along a little bit? Uh, not nodded along. Well, yeah, in some senses, but it's just funny <laughs> seeing it to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, well, as you know, he didn't leave in the, in the best circumstances in terms of our fans. No. So, uh, you know, seeing that on a second game of the season was quite pleasing, despite how bad our performances have been as it's of true. late. Um, but getting on to Saturday, more importantly, um, is there any sort of key like injuries or team news that we should know about heading into the game? Um, I mean, Leif Davis didn't finish the game at the at the weekend. Obviously, we're, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say when we're recording, but we're recording early in the week. So we'll, yeah, we're going to... Recording Monday evening. On okay, afternoon, we, sorry. Oh, yeah, no. so we're going to learn more about that. Um, Luke Wolfenden didn't play uh, at the weekend as Cameron Burgess came in for him. It all looks fairly, fairly strong, I have to say. Um, I think you'll see something vaguely similar Walton definitely in goal Danassian Edmondson Burgess could be uh Wolfenden coming back in for Burgess Burns and Davis would be the plan I'm not sure what they'll do if Davis isn't around at left back whether that will be Lee or Penny comes in Edmondson Morsi you think you'd stick Chaplin and Harness Ladapo obviously up top the one we're interested to see as Ipswich fans is Dom Ball okay. who's coming from uh QPR who we hope is going to be a really good player at this level he hasn't played yet but it's that thing of it's a winning team so you don't have you know if you've lost the game you pressure on to get him in debut him from the start but you you would imagine it will try and be as unchanged as 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 possible I I think um and uh, forgive me on that um Davis uh, whether we'll whether we'll see the million quid league one um (laughs) left wing back or not um uh remains to be seen yeah, so it's um I know you're not gonna mention too much, but yeah, it's interesting when you know it's just spending like seven figures on a on a left back and I think Don's are probably trying to spend half of that or even less on a striker coming in. So, you know, it puts to perspective where certain teams are in the league and how, how ambitious maybe not questioning Don's ambition, but how ambitious some teams are to really get out of it and uh, push back on. Yeah, I, I I think from a an honest and hopefully balanced Ipswich, Ipswich fans point of view. And I know you guys have to put up with a lot of crap that um, pertains to 20 years ago, which I'm honestly, I'm a little bit over now. It's like, especially when you speak to younger fans and it's, you know, like, well, you, th- this is just their local team and they just want to support their local team. It's not their fault. But I think a lot of balanced football fans look at MK and the way they, the way they do things with a lot of admin, admiration and you know there's obviously the the finger pointing about 20 years ago and okay look the stadium's beautiful and um is sometimes full and very often not full um and those are the sticks to kind of beat mk with but in terms of you know when you see a harry darling or a scott twine going off and um you know going to a parachute team or darling for example smashing one in the top corner for swansea on his on his first game you see the way they play and you see how they develop players bring them through I think a lot of people I can see why a lot of people admire them I can also see why a lot of people are going to look at Ipswich with this American money and we we don't know how much Ed Sheeran is paying to sponsor the club but there's obviously a big (laughs) wad of money coming in there as well that's um that's that's looking good on the on the books I can see why it would 
irk people. All I would say is, believe me, Ipswich fans are long-suffering fans. We have done nothing um, in terms of, you know, we've been in one playoff, I think, since about 2005. We're in the championship for years, gradually stagnating under the previous ownership. So forgive us at the moment. We're kind of enjoying <laughs> actually being the ones who've got some cash to spend with the expectations. But we understand as well as any, you've got to, you know, we've we've not been in the playoffs in League One. We've been, I think, like 11th, 9th, 11th or something. So that. Don't worry about we're we're the most self-aware people about how the club have underachieved in the last um in the last three years. But I do totally understand how, yeah, when you've developed a player like Twine, sold him for we think four or five million with probably add-ons and darling as well. And you're only gonna then be dropping half a million quid on a on a striker, you know. I get how it smarts when Ipswich are spending a million on a left back, allegedly. <laughs> Yeah, no, and it's all part of the business model. That, to be fair, the clubs made really transparent about it. Or we had literally had a full presentation from the sporting director and the head coach at the time, Russell Martin, um, you know, chatting about it all and how they want to operate. So you know, it's a very transparent system. And um, yeah, before I let you go and head off to West Bromwich, what what's your score prediction for Saturday? Obviously, I'm assuming with where you are in the league, where Don's are in the league, you're it's a tougher game, but you're expecting to get something from it. Yeah, I mean, that would be the easy position to jump to um, if you were to just look at the league table and the first two games. Hopefully, we're catching you at a time where you haven't adjusted to Twine not being there and Darling not being there. And it's a it's a difficult start. As you said, um, who was your opening game against? Uh, Cambridge away. OK, which is, yeah, it's not an easy one, but one you were favourites. But then playing Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich in consecutive games is a quite tricky run. I, I would hope that um, we, at a minimum, get get the point with it being at, um, at Portman Road as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to get too confident. And, <laughs> you know, um, look, if we're, if we're basing it on last season, MK are a very, very good team that, you know, play good football and are more than capable of winning. There's obviously just that massive caveat of those two players we've mentioned that are not there um, anymore that um, did a lot for that very good team last year. So I I think it's reached your favourites. I think home advantage and, you know, you guys adjusting a bit and whatever the transfer window is going to bring in terms of, you know, you, you're getting a goal scorer um, in there. So yeah, if if it was an entertaining scoring draw, I wouldn't be totally disappointed. But I, I, I mean, would you agree that Ipswich are favourites? Yeah, obviously, because you guys are at your home stadium, and the fact that we are we sort of the way you have, obviously, we've improved slightly from week one to week two. But it just I wouldn't say that it's improved that much to which then we go to Ipswich and be favourites to get the three points. But yeah, say so if if it's a, it's a hard chance, it's the same fixture as last season. Obviously, no Scott Twine free kicks, but on the same foot, hopefully no McCauley Bond screamers from the edge of the box. So, <laughs> no, there definitely won't be any of those for sure. <laughs> but um, and also, um, I mean, you, you you won't mind me saying, I think we both fall into the football nerd category. It'll be a really good football match, yeah, won't definitely. it? With those those two managers, and you know, I think long gone are the days where you know League One is sign eight players at the start of the season, make sure you've got a couple of big centre-halves, you've got a big forward, get that ball in the box and, you know, <laughs> you know, get get through winter on the crappy pitches and win as many games as you as you can 1-0. It's not like that anymore. And it, it, it will certainly be a... I mean, the nil-nil um, where we 
took an ungodly amount of fans for some reason. I can't, can't quite think why, but um, the, the nil-nil was technically a really, you know, a, a good game. And I don't think you'll see something. It won't be too different than that, I wouldn't have thought. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast and giving your thoughts on town. Before you uh, make a move back up to West Brom, uh, let the listeners know where they can find all your work. Yeah, so um, it's at Benjamin Bloom on Twitter. On YouTube, it's the Benjamin Bloom football channel. And um, I am a founder of the, which might be a bit more relevant, a founder of the Blue Monday um, podcast. Um, so we try and be as balanced as possible. We welcome into MK fans if they want to they want to check in. And on the um, YouTube channel, I was at um, a couple of big MK games, although one was you losing in the playoffs uh, <laughs> last season. I learned to, to be quite transparent. I live in um, I live in Bedfordshire, so I'm fairly close to um, MK. So I do sometimes get to the games and vlog them. You can see that on the on the YouTube channel. Fantastic. Well, best of luck for the rest of the season apart from yeah, Saturday. And um, yeah, speak to you soon. Legend. Thank you very much to Ben once again for coming onto the podcast. Um, gents, Ipswich Thoughts, very top line. What are we thinking heading into this game? I think um, with Ipswich, they've got a wealth of options. And, um, you know, my one, uh, my one um, thought going into the game was, you know, I know they had that really solid defensive uh, run towards the end of last season. And McKenna, you know, that's the first thing he's focused on, really. He's tightened up the team. However, they don't really have, haven't really had that cutting edge. And will Ladapo um, be able to, you know, really, really um, find that and add that to this Ipswich team that is so obviously full of talent? Um, so that would be my one question. Um, which, And I think, you know, as Benjamin says there, it, it kind of remains a little bit of an unknown and perhaps they're undoing. So, yeah, I think they're going to create chances. I think they're going to be solid at the back. But, you know, I think we're solid at the back. I think, and um, maybe potentially going forward is our weak point. So, you know, and he was also right in that nil-nil um, towards the end of the season. It was a terrific game in terms of the quality on show. So I'm, I think it is going to be similar again on, on Saturday. I really don't think there's going to be too much between the two teams. Right yourself, Ross. Obviously, it's going to be quite a tight game. Last year, it wasn't, obviously, there's was a lot of screamers in that game. But what are your thoughts heading into this one? Well, unfortunately, we won't get a Scott Twine free kick. Um, it makes me quite sad. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, it's going to be a high quality affair. And um, I think one which our players will like, obviously, we, we made the improvement against Sheffield Wednesday. And I think uh, we'll rise to this occasion as well. We've we've obviously learned, especially with this Ipswich side, that they're willing to spend money and get out of this division quick and... They've no, they they know they've overspent. Well, three years time. later, yeah, they've overspent <laughs> yeah, they their time in this <laughs> But yeah, they mean business this year. And um, under Kieran McKenna, someone who likes possession-based football, um, I think we'll we'll be roughly about there, um, come the end of the season. So I'm expecting a very tight game comes and um, let's hope we're on the better end of it. Okay, then let's get into our lineup predictions. Um, Joe was going about how you got the, well, pretty much got the uh, the Carabao Cup lineup correct. So we'll go to him first. Joe, <laughs> what's your starting level for this one? Yeah, so um, my, I got it perfect apart from the goalkeeper, just to clarify. Um, so, yeah, this week I've gone for um, come dog in goal, no changes there. And um, I've gone for Woz and Tucker in front of him. You know, that's. I think that's probably gonna, you know, if it, if if everyone stays fit, that's forty six out of forty six games for me um, this season. 
Um, Oyegoke, I thought he showed really good athleticism and some really good signs. Um, I know we briefly mentioned him in the Cambridge um, review, but um, yep, yeah, for me, he keeps his spot. spot. Um, and then Lewington, you know, Lewington rested on Tuesday. Um, and so, yeah, back in the team again, I'm sure. Um, in midfield, I've gone for Robson and Johnson. I think that Robson, he came off for after 60, 70 minutes against um, against Sutton. So to me, that indicates that, you know, maybe he was being saved. And uh, similarly with Johnson, Johnson was rested on Tuesday night. So to me, you know, we could, we could really do his, his experience at a place like uh, Portman Road, you know, 20,000, I'm sure. Um, what six or seven thousand MK fans or something like that? So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but as I say, yeah, Johnson, he's going to be used to these big games. Haven't played in the championship for the majority of his career, so for me, he's a he's a, a shoe in for that central midfield spot alongside Robson um, Smith. I think he's got to start, so I've gone for Smith in the number ten role. Um, Barry definitely on the wing, um, and Dennis up top. So that leaves with one position. And I've been torn between Dan Kemp and Dara Burns. Um, I personally would start Dara Burns, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Liam Manning wants to maybe go with the know-how and and, and the nous of uh, Dan Kemp. You know, Dan Kemp a bit bit more experienced than Dara Burns, and perhaps doesn't want to throw Dara straight into the um, into the deep end. But personally, I would start Dara Burns. So um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, my lineup is actually exactly the same as that. Um, yeah, the right wing spot is difficult. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, to be honest with you, I felt the rest of it is is fairly predictable. I think we you know we saw match up in the ten at Wednesday against Wednesday. Sorry, he, he looks pretty good. So I think he'll go on there. And yeah, obviously some players are unchangeable. There's oh, no one else to play there. All the best player there. Um, so yeah, it's really a few positions at the moment until potentially some other come um some other players come in. But yeah, I find exactly the same as Joe Ross. What about yourself? Yeah, it's three in a row. It looks like um, oh. the only change I, I would be looking at. Um, I know obviously Smith. I think the ten roll is up in the air at the moment. Can you really drop Grant after obviously scoring a goal and having the performance he had against Sutton? Granted, did he play not full ninety? All I'm thinking is just a bit of extra solidity in midfield, but I completely agree with you. It seems harsh to drop, drop Grant, but it's, I just think that Robson and Johnson are more suited to this sort of game. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's one up in the air at the moment. And um, I think, obviously, um, both players can have a, a very good impact in the game. But obviously, if we're looking at fitness and legs and everything going into Saturday, obviously you would favour Smith. But yeah, same lineup as uh, you guys. Okay, so literally zero change in the lineup between us three. What about score predictions? Ross, obviously, you said a tight game. Do you reckon it'll be score draw or would it be nil nil? Uh, it's going to be one nil either side, and I think it will go late on in the game. Um, I think it, um, both teams will ease themselves into the game, and um, I think I think the subs potentially could have a bigger impact in the game. Um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, who nabs that late goal. So I think with these sort of games, especially especially at Portman Road, um, I know obviously we saw loads of goals last time out, but that was because we were, we were going for it properly, going for it. But I feel defensively we're we're very solid already this year, and um, I think we'll cancel each other out, and um, we'll probably see a late goal. 
I agree with everything you say apart from the one nil score line. I'm gonna go nil nil. Uh I think it'd be nice and boring. Um I honestly think both teams are happy with a point here in you know, Ipswich coming off a well if they rotated their team, you know, I lost to Colchester in the cup, which isn't exactly good. I mean, that's one of the first home games of the season and they've gone and done that. Um their fans are expecting a reaction. I think our fans are gonna expect a decent performance again. Um, at a place where we played a right last time also and we, and we see there's some pretty good goals if they're from McCauley Bond who probably isn't going to play this game thank God um, so yeah and uh, offensively yeah we're showing signs I don't think we're there yet and coming, coming to one of the best defensive teams in the league in Kieran McKenna's team in Ipswich is it's going to be hard and not going to give you any freebies and I think this will be more of a lesson more than anything to Dennis in terms of how to compete against these type of teams um, so yeah, I'm not expecting a thriller in terms of goals, but if you can get another clean sheet for coming and co, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Manning will be pretty happy with that and getting the first points on the board in the league. So, Joe, finish off with your score prediction. I'm going to stick with recent history. Um, so the last four times we've played Ipswich, it's been 1 1, 0 0, 2 2, 0 0. So, I'm going to go for 1 1. Um, I think that both teams are maybe having a bit of teething issues in terms of attacking play, uh, but both teams seem fairly solid at the back. So, and you know, and I think Ipswich they went two 0 up against Forest Green, but then they did have they did have to withstand a bit of uh, barrage late on in the game. So, you know, they're by no means invincible, um, and you know, I think that showed against Sheffield Wednesday, the team that are the favourites for the league. We actually for large majorities of the game. And we arguably, you know, in, in patches play better than them. Obviously, you know, game state plays, you know, they have something to hold on to. Of course, they're going to sit back. But um, yeah, I think a one-all, um, I can see them going, scoring first and uh, maybe 20 minutes or so and then us scoring 60 or 70 and then it holding on towards the end. But, you know, that would be a cracking result away from home. And uh, yeah, we'll get hopefully get out of this relegation battle we're in. <laughs> yeah, it's not in that too long. Um, okay, that rounds off quite nicely for this episode. Uh, before we go, best of luck to Jack Davies and Lewis Johnson on their reflected loans to Concord Rangers. I'm sure we'll look a little bit keepers at days and how they're doing. But yeah, best of luck to those gents. And uh, yeah, hope to see lots of you at Switch. I know Club have just been provided an extra allocation of tickets because the first allocation is about to sell out. So yeah, hopefully get quite a few of us down there like last season and uh, yeah, hopefully in a positive result. But until then, come on you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.